Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James, and if you're listening to this episode close to the time at which it's released, then I'd like to wish you a very happy PA week for 2023. I say a happy PA week, but it can feel quite difficult at the moment being a physician associate if you're aware of all of the issues that have been scrutinised and discussed on social media, in particular Twitter and Reddit. Hopefully it isn't affecting you too badly, but if it is, please do reach out for support through your employer, uh, through your colleagues, through your boss, line manager, talk to your friends, talk to your PA colleagues and your peers, talk to those around you, family, people that you trust, um, and just check in uh, with your PA colleagues as well to make sure that everyone is doing okay. As it's PA week, I was wondering sort of which special guest to get on for this week's episode. The idea for running the Physician Associate podcast actually came to me from listening to another podcast, the General Practice podcast, um, made by a chap called Ben Gowland, who has been on the PA podcast previously. Ben invited me onto his general practice podcast for PA Week this week to sort of provide an update um, about the PA profession. So without any further ado, here is the episode uh, that is sort of a co-production between the PA podcast and the general practice podcast. The general practice podcast from Ockham Healthcare, supporting innovation in general practice. So I'm delighted to be joined once again on the podcast by James Catton. Welcome back to the podcast, James. So you're a physician associate who works in sterile health practice in Suffolk. You're also, I understand, a physician associate ambassador for the ICB. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what does that involve? So it's a role that is across most of England. And I think there are now equivalents in Wales and Scotland. I'm not sure about Northern Ireland, but it started off being a role to promote the PA profession, to knock on doors, to spread the word about PAs initially. So it was going back in the early days when the profession really wasn't well understood and wasn't well established. So just talking initially to GPs about what PAs are and what they can do and the value that they could add in their service and doing the same for hospitals and consultants with a focus on also looking after PA students whilst they're on placement and doing some of the work in terms of just establishing and spreading the word about PAs. It's morphed now into more of a role of making sure that supervision and governance arrangements are suitable in the area for PAs, putting on CPD events for qualified PAs and conferences and trying to build the community of PAs together and making sure that things are running smoothly for PAs in my patch. And that's not the only ambassadorial work you do, is it? Because you also host the Physician Associate Podcast. So inspired by this very podcast, the General Practice Podcast, I have now been running a PA-focused podcast for two and a half years and try and release episodes every week about topics that are relevant to physician associates. So things from GMC regulation with people from the GMC coming on to talk about that or interviewing PAs in different specialties, finding out what they do. For example, dermatology, finding out what a PA does in their role in dermatology so that students and people who might be interested can find out a little bit more about what PAs can do in certain specialties. And then talking to other podcasts, talking to Health Education England, getting all sorts of different voices on to talk about the hot issues that are out there for physician associates at the moment. 
And you've, I guess, built quite a following of physician associates for that podcast over the period you've had it running. Yeah, strangely enough, not just PAs in the UK either. There are physician associates in other parts of the world and in other countries with either the same job title or a very similar and related profession in different countries. So it always amazes me that there are people listening to the PA podcast from across the globe. I think the listenership is mainly in the UK and I guess would mainly be PAs and PA students. It's always lovely to get some really nice feedback from people who are going to their interview for PA school and say that they found the podcast useful or feedback on an episode and say, actually, that was a really enjoyable thing to listen to, or I found it really useful because of XYZ. It's been really nice for me to be able to network and find out what other PAs are doing up and down the country. Well, it's good that you've been able to bring a bit of positivity to physician associates because it's been quite a challenging time, hasn't it? I mean, we're recording this start of October 2023. It is quite a difficult time right now for physician associates, isn't it? I think that's fair to say. I've been a PA qualified for five years now. I've never seen the backlash or the level of issues being brought up across social media that are anti-PA. It's been pretty brutal these last few months to see. Why do you think it is? Do you think this has all been precipitated by this specific case in North London? It did seem to kick off after some headlines were made. Unfortunately, there was a very tragic case, a fatal case of a young lady in her 30s who was seen and treated by a physician associate on two occasions in her GP surgery, and I guess misdiagnosed, ended up dying of a PE. The case was brought up in Parliament by Labour MP Barbara Keeley, who made the point that there are probably some significant questions about the scope and use of physician associates in the NHS to be asked. That's then coincided with several other accounts on Twitter and Reddit across social media scrutinising the physician associate profession, which is no bad thing in and of itself. But I think at times, the tone of the debate, the tone of the language used in some of the messages has been really quite upsetting. I've had several PA friends, colleagues, personal friends that have been really affected and targeted personally. And I've had people in tears about this situation. So it's been quite difficult as a PA at the moment, watching all of this happen to the profession. When you say targeted personally, what sort of things have been happening? There are legitimate points to be made around the doctor's issues in terms of pay and scope of work and workloads and that kind of thing. It's boiled over to frustrations with PAs seen to be encroaching upon traditionally doctor-only parts of medicine or being paid more than doctors in training or out-competing doctors for training opportunities, theatre-time, clinic lists, those sorts of things. And whilst that scrutiny is valid and the points need to be spoken about, sometimes it's gone too far in terms of some of the language. Tweets hoping that PAs kill themselves or targeting individuals by name and leaking their place of work and their addresses and sorts of things like that. And is it across the board for physician associates? Has there been a particular focus on physician associates working in general practice? I'd say it's more targeted at PAs in secondary care than it is in primary care-based PAs. I think the competition for certain specialties is high, even before PAs were part of the scene. I think if doctors in training feel like they're being crowded out and then seeing PAs performing clinical procedures or going to clinics and theatre time, I can understand why that would upset them. I think in general practice, there is concerns, given that case with the PE, about the scope of practice of a PA seeing and working with undifferentiated diagnoses in primary care. 
and the burden that that can sometimes place on GPs and doctors to make sure that supervision is in place and adequate for those patients and those PAs working in primary care. Where are we up to now? You probably got a better handle on the numbers than me in terms of the amount of physician associates who are working across general practice, because obviously they've been part of the additional role reimbursement scheme for a number of years now. So we think that there are something like three and a half thousand to four thousand PAs qualified nationally. It's difficult to put an exact number on it because we're not a regulated profession. So we have a voluntary register and there are about three and a half to four thousand PAs on that voluntary register. There will be some PAs that aren't on that voluntary register. If any of the PAs are listening to this, I do think it's a really good idea to get yourself registered and for GP practices to make sure that any PAs you're employing are on that register because it comes with a code of conduct. It comes with a fitness to practice mechanism and revalidation to prove that you're staying up to date with your clinical knowledge. And it will form the basis of GMC regulation when that comes in. If anybody isn't yet on the register, I think it's a really good idea to make sure you are registered ahead of GMC regulation coming in. It will make the process a lot smoother. To answer your question specifically about how many are in primary care, I think it's roughly about 50-50 now. So if we think there are roughly 4,000 PAs, probably about 2,000 of them are in primary care. And what's your sense of the experience that those PAs have been having? So let's just for a moment put some of the current situation aside. Have they found something that they've enjoyed? And do they find that the support that they're getting in those roles is what they need to be a success in them? I think in my patch, I'd like to say yes. I think we're doing a good job of bringing in physician associates in an appropriate way and making sure that supervision is in place and adequate. Is that the case across the whole country? I'm sure that there are really good examples and probably some really bad examples of PAs not being used to the full extent of their ability and not being supervised in a safe way. I have heard some horror stories of PAs that are left to just do COVID vaccination clinics and not do any sort of other clinical work or PAs that are purely employed to file paths and letters and results in primary care and not do anything that is patient facing. I'd argue that that's not a very good use of a PA skill set. I'm sure that there are other examples of things that are not quite right or as they should be. What else do you think would be helpful? I think making the profession more understood would be useful. And I mean that in terms of combating some of the myths that are out there and are being perpetuated across social media. There are some PAs that say some silly things, such as that PAs study medicine in two years as opposed to the five years that it takes medical students. That's plainly not true and plainly unhelpful. So I think making sure some of the myths and some of the misconceptions about the role could be better understood amongst healthcare professionals. And I think making the PA profession more well understood for the public as well is another really important thing so that the public can understand that they're not seeing a doctor, that a PA is a different healthcare professional who they're seeing. It's quite difficult sometimes, I think, for people to be able to distinguish the two. It's a difficult situation, isn't it? Because let's just focus on primary care. We know there's not enough GPs. And so there's been this introduction of a whole range of roles, one of which is the physician associates. I read a piece in the BMJ which talked about 
this being an attempt to bring GPs in on the cheap, which is not a great way of talking through the history of this, which is there have been many attempts to employ sufficient GPs into general practice and that hasn't been able to happen. And so additional roles are required. And so I guess we kind of are where we are. And it feels to me that unless more is done to support the additional roles, specifically physician associates, we're not going to be making the most of the available skills that are there. And so we're not going to best be able to serve the patient need that's out there. So it feels a little bit like there's a cutting off the nose to spite the face going on because how else are we going to have the range of skills needed to be able to meet the demand that's there? Yeah, I think it's one of these problems that is very complex and doesn't have a simple answer. I don't think PAs are the entire solution to the crisis in the NHS workforce. I think we can play a part, provide a valuable part of the solution to the workforce problems. I think there are concerns, legitimate, around the scope of practice and the abilities of PAs and how to best use PAs, doctors, training and working together. But it has kind of shocked me the level at which some of the concerns or frustrations have been expressed recently. So what do you think is needed now? You sound pretty down yourself, James. I imagine morale is not high across the profession right now. I was just thinking the same, actually. I'm coming across very negatively. No, it's not. Honestly, it's not a great time to be a PA. I think a lot of PAs feel that there is sometimes a target on our back at the moment, and it probably is changing our practice and making us much more defensive in terms of the way that we are working at the moment. We don't want to be the next headline on the Daily Mail or the next PA that's crucified on Twitter. So what can GPs and practices and PCNs who have one of these 2,000 PAs working in primary care, what would your thoughts be on what they could be doing now to support them and help get the best out of them in the role that they're doing? Really good question. So I think a lot of it comes down to the pastoral stuff, just checking in with your PAs, making sure that they're okay. Are they aware of what's been going on on Twitter and social media and is it affecting them or are they largely able to ignore it and brush it off? Putting things into context as well is really helpful. It is the deepest, darkest parts of the internet where a lot of these problems are being expressed and these frustrations are boiling over versus remembering that in real life, a lot of these problems are never said face to face or expressed in reality. So I think putting it into context, remembering that people you work with actually support you and they get the use of PAs and they understand the role. And in the day-to-day world, things do seem a lot brighter and cheerier than it can appear online. So just having that reflection point and that context around it is often really important as well. I think it's really important too that there is an understanding that PAs cannot, should not be used as a substitute directly for GPs. There are expectations around physician associates needing supervision, needing additional help sometimes with cases, making sure that help is available and supervision is appropriate for that PA that you're working with in your practice is really important as well. What about in the PCN? Is there a value in creating a support network outside the immediate practice that PAs are in or does it work better where it comes from the place that you go to every day? Absolutely. So I think that's a really good point as well. I do hear of some PAs that are employed through a PCN with several practices and the PA is rotated daily into a new practice. So perhaps working in five different practices one day each week. I think that's a really difficult situation to be in because you don't have the support of your colleagues immediately necessarily with you if you're only working with them once a week. 
And it's hard to find your place and know where you stand and just get that debrief in the coffee room or the arm around you when you need it. Looking at the way you're using your PA, making sure that they have good support structure in place around your organization is also really important. And use the local PA ambassadors for your area as well. So if anything is developing as an issue, please reach out to your PA ambassador through your training hub, see what support is in place to help because they'll be best placed to know what to suggest. You were saying you're working as part of a team of five PAs where you are. Do you think that PAs working as part of a team is a better model going forward? I mean, I know that it's difficult at an individual practice level, but do you think that helps practices develop their understanding of what the PAs can do because they're interacting with them more commonly and also allows some peer support and some team development so there's less isolation in the role where there's a group of you working together? Yeah, definitely. I I'm sure my colleagues will listen to this, but I love going into work because I know that there are other PAs around with me and we all get on really well as a team and we can all help each other and support each other. And wider than that, as a team of PAs, we're also there to help trainee doctors, GPs, nurses, clinical and non-clinical staff in the practice. We can be a good point of continuity and support and help for all of the practice staff. Having that community practice around you is really, really important. And I know there are some PAs who are the only PA in their PCN sometimes the only PA for miles in some geographical parts of the UK. And I do worry that that can be quite a lonely job, a lonely existence for those PAs. So they can reach out further to the PAs nationally, PA ambassadors, come to conferences. But it's really important that they're allowed the time to build that network because it could be a lonely existence otherwise, being the first PA in or the new kid on the block. And I guess equally for those PAs where they are on their own, for the practices and the GPs working with them to making sure that they're getting some maybe extra support right now. Yeah, definitely. If that can be arranged, people just be aware of the climate that PAs are operating in at the moment, just to check in on their employees, check in on their PAs, make sure they're doing okay. I'm sure that'll be well received and appreciated by the physician associates. So looking to the future, James, how do you see the role of physician associates developing specifically within primary care. We're coming to the end of the growth of the additional role reimbursement scheme. So obviously we know the funding is going to continue, but we're not going to see the year-on-year growth that we've seen in the past. How do you see things progressing? And do you think this is just a storm that needs to be weathered and will come out the other side, or do you think it's something more serious? You use the word storm, and that is exactly how I'm picturing it in my head as well. So I don't know if you're familiar with the change model of group theory, forming, storming, norming, and then performing. And I think we are kind of in the storm at the moment in terms of it's almost inevitable that these conversations had to happen. It's almost inevitable that the doctors were going to, Doctors Union, the BMA, those sorts of institutions were going to come out against things that PAs are doing. I think in the long run, it will probably be a good thing for the PA profession to have had these discussions and for boundaries to be understood and roles to be well-defined. I think that will probably be a net positive in the long run for the PA profession so that things are more well understood amongst everybody. But going through it at the moment, it is particularly stormy, but I'm pretty sure it will move on to the phase of just being normal and then actually things working really well together in the future. We know that the PA profession has been really well established across the United States now for the last six decades. So I think looking across the pond to what's happened in America, it's been successful and well-received and well-regarded and a key part of their healthcare system. And I'm sure in a few decades' time, the PA profession will be much more well-established and much better understood. And hopefully things will have reached a good point between physicians and associates. It can be exciting, but also painful being a pioneer, can't it? 
Breathing problems all round. Yes. Like I say, it was kind of inevitable that this was happening and surprised it took this long sometimes. Are there any resources or websites that you would recommend either for practices, GPs or PCNs who are thinking we need to be better at providing the support and supervision for our PA or for physician associates who are working in general practice where they can go to find out more? Yeah, absolutely. So you kindly mentioned my physician associate podcast earlier. That hopefully has lots of stories of positive, good news stories of PAs and the good work that they are doing up and down the country in all different specialties. So worth checking that out if you're a podcast fan and you're interested in PAs. I also have started to produce a magazine about physician associates called The Paper with the PA in paper. So there's a website for The Paper magazine and you can download issue one now, issue two is coming out really shortly. And hopefully we'll be covering sort of news articles and things that are of interest to physician associates and about the physician associate profession on there. More widely, there's the Faculty of Physician Associates, so the FPA, which is hosted through the Royal College of Physicians, but has lots of resources aimed at supervisors and in particular GPs and primary care so that practice managers and GPs can understand what the expectations of a newly qualified day one PA is and how that might change the levels of supervision that should be in place and what's necessary. Training hubs for different localities up and down the country should be able to help and support with PAs as well for CPD, for ongoing training, upskilling PAs that are in primary care. And PA ambassadors should be embedded within those organisations or within their system um, to help point people in the right direction for how to support PAs as well. That's really helpful, James. We'll put links to those resources in the show notes so people can access them there. So I wish you the best of luck. I hope the storm doesn't stay too long and that you do come out to sunnier weather on the other side. Really appreciate you coming on, James. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for your support. The General Practice Podcast from Ockham Healthcare, supporting innovation in general practice. Thanks for listening to the Division Associate Podcast.